Hi, and welcome to Making the World More Active, the MyMove podcast. I'm Marcella Grizo, co-founder of MyMove. Our goal is for more young people to develop a special relationship with physical activity so that they flourish, reaping the many benefits that come with an active life. In the podcast, we have the pleasure of talking to outstanding professionals who are making a difference in the field. In each episode, they share their ideas. We hope these serve to inspire you and or affirm your current practice. My Move is a bespoke app designed to increase young people's physical activity levels. It provides unprecedented and powerful evidence to inform professional decision-making and celebrate your hard work as well as the efforts of your students. To find out more, visit mymoveapp.com. But for now, sit back and enjoy this episode with my co-founder, Greg Dreyer. Um, and uh, yeah, some, sometimes I feel like in the more sort of bureaucratic approaches to education that that soul gets lost and uh, it all becomes a little bit procedural. But I really love the way you brought it back to it's not either or, it's not a binary choice. Your, your classes are made up of those little children. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it absolutely underpins effective teaching and learning. So really great listening to that. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, and before we move on to some other topics, you, you've spoken a, a couple of times, you mentioned how much you enjoyed early years and reception. Um, and you know, we always always say if you want to see really really good teaching, um, go to key stage one and reception. Um, and if you want to see amazing teaching, you probably go to a special school. Um, but um, and I think it's really important. You know, we did a loads of work, as you know, with secondary trainees and people who were specialising to be um, secondary PE teachers and. Uh, you know, their time in primary schools is, is very important. And you know, I genuinely believe if you could teach a five-year-old, a 15-year-old is significantly easier in most respects. Um, and it helps you really focus on the quality of communication, the, the, the seamlessness of your transitions. There's so many bread and butter skills that are learned yeah. um, in early years and foundation stage. What was it that you were getting out of it? You said it was a struggle at first, but then you, you, you declared that it was ended up being your favourite part of, of primary school life. So what, what were you getting out of it and why did you like it so much? Um, the first word that comes to mind is joy. I, I got joy from it. Seeing their faces and knowing that the impact that I was having on them, they were developing. You know, there's lots of work around the early development of children and their milestones and things like that. And if you're a part of that, you know, those children are with you a majority of the time. And if you can have that small little impact on their start in life, I I don't think there's anything better. You know, having children of my own and seeing that and being able to do that with my children um and then doing it at school as well being able to go home and have a satisfaction that those children that couldn't hop at the beginning of the week 
are now hopping and skipping as they go home because you've helped them with that. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't think there's anything better, um, you know, and I think one of the reasons that I really focused on the early years was because when I first started teaching, I had year five and six students who struggled because they weren't caught in time. Um, and, you know, it could be the way that they were taught and, you know, predominantly those students that I worked with when I first started in education, there weren't no sports specialists or PE specialists around. It was the class teacher, just like I, when I was at school, the class teacher would deliver the PE lesson. So if they weren't sure on, on how to do it or, or what they would do to, to develop that child, we would miss them. And I really felt that I had to make sure that these students had their core fundamentals in place so that they could enjoy moving around and not fall over or get embarrassed that they couldn't catch a tennis ball when they were in year six and feel like they couldn't participate. I had to catch them there and then. Yeah, we touched on a really contentious area of uh, uh, regular debate and discussion in the subject area about class teacher versus not class teacher. And I, I say not class teacher because there's such a wide range of people of different backgrounds um, the PE primary workforce is really, really, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, really varied in, in who's delivering. Um, and yeah, we could, we could go down that route, but I'm not, I'm not going to uh, at the moment, maybe another time. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think there's, well, you would know yourself from, you know, what you know now to what you maybe knew, you know, four or five years ago, um, which presumably the class teacher would have known around pedagogy, around assessment, of, but you're looking at it through a very specific lens, which brings me on to my next point that it was really interesting when you were talking about reception, because you, you gave an example of development in in the movement domain, in the physical domain, you referred to, to hopping. And, um, you know, I, I know that, you 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 really invest and you really get movement and um I, I know you've had really quite a varied uh pathway yourself with the number of activities and sports that you've engaged with and you know dare i say it, you it seem to find reasonably easy um or when you were younger i didn't i didn't know a 15 12 year old Ben Anderson, but I sort of knew a 32-year-old Ben Anderson. And, you know, I'd still, you know, I can remember, you know, you were very comfortable with it doing, you know, anything from gymnastics to games activities to athletic activities. Um, so does movement, is it does movement remain central to to your work? And how do you view movement development or what what would you like to share around? How do you support kids making progress in moving? Um, again, I, I always come back to the word relatable. Movement is important um, with regards to if we can't move, sometimes activities that they want to participate in may not allow them to get the, the, the right outcome or the outcome that they're expecting. And movement can be a, a, can restrict them with that. But it's not 
always the fundamental part of it. And I come back to the word of joy that I felt when I teach them that if the students enjoy and are feeling comfortable with the things that they are doing, I can then facilitate and allow them to maybe feel even more comfortable in, in that, whether that be movement or whether that be using the effective domain or, you know, or the cognitive domain. How do I facilitate that? Um, and I think movement is a key part that more or less all activity involves movement of some kind. Um, and they must feel comfortable in, in their movement to be able to, to, to do that. Do they have to be fully competent? Maybe not, as long as they're getting what they want out of that activity. Um, you know, we take football for an example. If they can run around and kick a ball and feel happy and, and feel like they've been successful, but that's all they want to get from it, then fine. If you've got somebody who wants to press on and wants to go and play for a team and you can then help move, in, move them in that direction. So there's different ways that we can use movement. There's different ways that I can facilitate their movement journey. Um, but I think it does hold a key, um, a key moment in their lives of being able to move for what their purpose is. Yeah, as you know, I, you know, I really agree with what you're saying. But I suppose if we're playing devil's advocate, it's like how do they know what their purpose is? How do they know what they want to get out of it? And how would you address that? Um, so. I've been doing quite a little bit of quite a little. I've been doing a bit of work on on a meaningful physical education um, and looking at reflective and democratic domains and on how the students basically are starting to think for themselves and reflecting on what they're doing and allowing them to make decisions on what the purpose is. Everybody will have a different objective. And it's about finding their objective, letting them have that student voice, because it is their journey. Um, you know, I could easily walk into a class and just go, this is what we're doing, and this is how I want it to happen. But that's because I can do it. You know, that's not going to help a student that isn't very, uh, doesn't move in that way. You know, today I literally found out about a student um, that's been been with me for a, a couple of weeks um, that she was part of a gymnastics team when she was like 11 or 12 and start, was doing national, uh, going to different countries to participate in it. So I had a little chat with her about her journey, her movement, why she, because she absolutely hates football. You know, we did football, we do football on a Tuesday and she just doesn't enjoy it. You know, and I, I've tried to facilitate her in different ways of movement. But now I know about her gymnastics and how she feels about that. We can look at different journeys and different ways of being able to, to facilitate that movement. Um, so, yeah. So you mentioned meaningful PE and the work around that and um, uh, you've been you know fortunate to be 
uh, taught and, and build, build a relationship with, um, with Alex, who's pretty influential and, and well-published in, um, in that field. Um, so what, what do you find attractive about that? And is there anything else that you find exciting and inspirational in the subject area at, at the moment? So MPE, if you want, or plus and or other stuff that excites you. Yeah, so the, the thing that, that struck me about MPE was I think that it doesn't always have to focus on the outcomes of what the lesson objective is. I My lesson can be successful if the students are feel successful it's about them it's student-centered it's child-centered and it's not about me um and uh, you know my career in PE has gone from being the traditional PE teacher doing drill-based PE lessons with children standing in lines because that's what I thought PE was so now students choosing what they feel is right for them, giving them challenge and then reflecting on that and asking them how it made them feel. Would they do it again? And if, if, if even if it didn't feel good to them, what can we do so it does feel good or how can we challenge that? And just really using the reflective practices. I think that's very key for students to critically think about what it is they are doing, why they are doing it, um, so that they can find a purpose from it. Um, and I, I think really moving forward, that for me, that's one of the most exciting things for me at the moment, where I'm now building a curriculum for the new academic year and really being able to, to instill that really my whole curriculum is built around meaningful PE um, and using other sort of pedagogies around um, sort of constructivism uh, and things like that, where the students are thinking for themselves, it's centered around them and they can leave the session or the, the PE lesson knowing that they have been successful towards their own personal goals. Um, and that it's not the traditional lesson of this is the objective. Have you met that criteria today? Um, and, you know, if so, great. You know, if not, what are we going to do? You know, are you always using an analogy of a mountain? We, you know, if we climb that mountain, we've got plenty of steps to take and it's your personal journey. When you get to the top and you've, what people call mastery you know they've, they've achieved it what next we set the challenge they should be going back to the bottom of the mountain to reclimb it and really feel like that's what they want to do you know it's not a chore it's not me telling them right guys this is what you need to do today if you don't get there by the end of the term you know you're going to be falling behind every lesson they're creating their own goals achieving it etc yeah um i mean obviously you'll be aware that you know there will be 
plenty of people uh, who hear what you're saying there and have problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those problems could be philosophical issues that they're not seeing the role of education as you're seeing it. It could be born out of misconceptions that they're hearing what you're saying differently to how you're intended it to be said. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the teacher as the expert in the room and your um, approach, your facilitative co-constructing approach um, may well be anathema um, to people who buy in, some very high profile people um, who buy into that very instructional approach. And 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 one of the critiques would be, um, well, what are you bringing? now, um, so I think if you just, rather than go into the real nitty gritty, because I don't think we could do that justice in a short podcast, but what would you say, you, you said you're writing a curriculum and you're really developing that curriculum uh, based on your sort of core values. What would success look like then um, for a young person who's gone through that curriculum? What, what are the key outcomes that you're looking for and what would make you feel, yeah, that, that's doing a, I'm doing a good job with that, that's working as I intend to, that might need to be tweaked, that's not working. What, what, what are your success criteria, I guess? Yeah, so um, firstly, it's the students understanding what their purpose is, why they are doing what they are doing. Um, if they're not understanding why, then they're just doing. And when you just do, there's no purpose. So one of the criteria is the students understanding what their purpose is with movement, with PE, with the subject, with the activity that they are doing. Um, One of the other things would be that they are able to reflect and that they can take that wherever they go that they are comfortable in discussing what they like, what they like, what they don't like, what they can do better next time, what they would change rather than me telling them. If I'm, I'm not going to be there all the time to go, you didn't do that, or you should do that, or, you know, the outcome of somebody catching, I could teach them, you got to hold it with a W and stuff, but if they caught it just with one hand like that, but I've told them to catch like that, have they still been successful in catching the ball? Well, of course they have. So I, I look at it that way. So my criteria would be that they understand what purpose is to them, uh, that they are able to reflect on what it is they are achieving, that they are able to be social in their classes and m- develop that social thing using democratic practices um, rather than me changing what's happening in their lessons. Um, I would set my lessons up with with an outcome in mind. They would understand what it is we are working on at the end of the term. So by the end of the term, you know, these are what our outcome, and we'll work backwards. You know, you might get it in a couple of lessons. Somebody might get it in six lessons. 
but that's okay. You know, we'll always have some sort of task or activity that's going to help you develop those key things that you want to achieve because ultimately it's their, their education. Um, so if, so yeah. yeah, so if, if you're supporting young people with those reflect, reflective skills, and I think this is, this is something I'm really grappling with, you know, a lot of what they're reflecting on, um, and, you know, I, I buy into this as much as you, is, is how they feel. What, what, what is their purpose? And how do they feel about that? Um, now, of course, there's other things in the other domains that you've mentioned, in cognitive domain and the, the physical domain, etc. But you, you've mentioned a few times around the uh, around af affection and, and this emotional um, relationship. Um, so, what I grapple with is how do we equip young people to have the vocabulary to discuss that? There's all sorts of challenges with that because if they're going to express feelings they've got to name it right you've got to call it something yeah but if we're going to go beyond yeah that was good or bad that was enjoyable i like that or i didn't i didn't like that all right so then we got conversations about why but there's a whole range of emotions that you might feel um that you know you, you have to have the words for and you know you're working in a school that you were telling me the other day was you know it's, it's heavily gendered there's more boys than girls, right? Mm -hmm. um, some of those, uh, some of them, if not all of those young people have had challenging experiences in mainstream education to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being able to attach a, a word to an emotion, is that something that features in your work? And how do you do that? Yeah, so, you know, some groundwork needs to be done prior to that. And I just think lesson in your lessons, when you're introducing reflective practice, we try to, I, well, me personally, try to include it in sort of everything that I do so that it becomes normal, that it's not a, a part at the end of the lesson. You know, it's not a, a, a plenary or an evaluation, it's embedded it's the conversation that we're having um, and we're open to, to those words. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I would like to, to create, you know, maybe it's a word wall or something like that. The student voice, again, I think is, is, is important. And working with secondary school students, at the moment, predominantly boys who find it difficult to discuss emotions um you know it's a it is a it is a challenge but it's when you unpick it and you can really get a child to turn around and go that made me feel this way or no that i didn't like that that didn't you know and i can try and relate it to other things that happen in their life or that they're interested in whether it be music whether it be specific sport whether it be geography or history I can bring that into the lesson because I don't want to call it cross-curricular I'm not teaching another curriculum but if I can bring something in again we go back to that personal relationship I bring something in that they can relate to and they enjoy 
and we can refer it and compare it to that, and then we can start getting onto some winning ways. Um, you know, and ultimately, it's the reason I want them to feel this way is so that it becomes intrinsic, that they do it because they want to, and it's not because period six on a Tuesday is PE, and I have to go and do it. It's, I've got PE on Tuesday, I can't wait. This is what we're doing. You know, I want to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's really interesting listening to the way you uh, articulate that and you put it all together. So to, to wrap up the conversation, I just want to go back to, um, I guess, part of your introduction and the journey that you've had. Um, and we were always very conscious at Kingston that um, I guess this was a, a, a benefit as well as a challenge, that we were working with students who had logged an awful lot of hours, had a lot of experience. Um, so in some ways we were like backfilling um, the academic work, the theoretical work, the philosophical perspectives to get students to uh, pick up on the thing we were just talking about, to reflect on what they they have been doing and where they're going to go and, and to try and make sense of that more. And, um, uh, and listening to, you know, how you now frame and talk about your work, um, clearly that's quite different to how you were seeing it, you know, five, six years ago. Of course it is. You've invested hugely in, in that. And you were saying about engagement with the academic papers and, you know, as the writer of that, uh, degree, uh, I remember being uh, really torn um, between, about when do we introduce certain academic concepts and in the end you know, with, with colleagues we arrived at position from day one and it really was day one and that, you know, other tutors and other courses were like you're introducing first year undergrads to that literature is like so I, th I think most people sort of got their head around it, but coming back to your journey with that and this idea of back backfitting and and then allowing giving giving the sort of theoretical platform for you to push on, could, would you mind just sharing um, what what did connect with you? What where did you draw inspiration? There's a, a academic work in PE doesn't always get the best press. A lot of people, you know, would say, oh, it's not relevant. And how do you, but you, you've clearly joined the two, right? Yeah. Um, so what have you drawn upon? And, and if you can, and without wishing to put you on the spot, like how does that help you in your day-to-day -day work? Um, I, th I think to, to start with, the way the degree was written with regards to it being work-based really helped me because Although the reading at times was difficult, I'm able to read and then either visualize it that, oh, I've seen that at school or that might work. And then being a, be in a position where I can just go and do it and try it out. You know, I remember using a, a, a specific year five class at Hillyfield because I had them on the Wednesday morning. They knew that they were my guinea pig for me. After a Tuesday evening, on the train home, writing notes and having 
thoughts in my head like right I'm going to try that I'm going to do this I'm going to do that um, so yeah they, they they were my guinea pigs for lots of the different pedagogies and teaching styles that I've developed over over the course of the, the, the past few years um, but I think taking it some of the social cultural stuff was was really prominent to me especially coming from a, a lower economic background myself and seeing things in my community and working with those people and then being able to help them to see other aspects of, of sport and PE. Um, um, but getting really heavy into some of the, the real philosophers, you know, um, uh, Paget, Bourgeois, so they really blew my mind where I started really downloading books and reading stuff from, from years ago to find really see where it started. Um, and, you know, my library went from, you know, printing off a couple academic papers to, to having four shelves full of academic books, recommended, looking at other things, you know. Um, and I remember one of the, the, the first books that I got um, was uh, Thatcher and Sustain's Nudge Theory. I absolutely loved it and I still use it now. I try to, to use nudges in all my lessons. You know, I put them in there so that the students don't really know that I'm asking them to do certain things and it's little nudges and changing their defaults and stuff. And yeah, it's been really prominent in, in some of the things that I've done. Um, and then moving forward, you know, um, to um, Mikhail, where he talks about putting the E back into PE, that really stood out to me where it, we are educating these students. There is something that they need to get from it. It's not just them running around to blow off steam, as a lot of, um, you know, Ryan was, was talking about. Um, and it sort of pushed me more forward to go, these students can get more from this. Um, and yeah, and then just kicked on from there really, uh, onto the meaningful PE stuff now, which I'm really enjoying, um, you know, but I tried to pick things from it from everywhere. Self-determination theory is something that's been really prominent in some of the stuff, really creating that autonomy um, with the students. Uh, and even in myself really, um, you know, rather than it, people thinking that lesson planning become, becomes a drag and, you know, it, I enjoyed it because it was new ideas, evaluating a lesson and going, that didn't quite work, but I want to try something different and then taking it into a lesson and a student going, oh yeah, I really get that. And then letting them go with it. And yeah, it's been, it's been a, a really good journey and, and the academic writing without it wouldn't have got me where I am now. So I'm glad it's been, it was put in straight away. And I think I put that into my education, into my teaching, into my facilitating. The, the reception children, if they can do a certain thing that a year six child could do, just because in a curriculum written by somebody, it says that reception children should be able to do this. Why are we restricting them from doing that? Let's let's let them be free and be creative and really open up what they do. Uh, and talking of creative, you know, Ken Robinson's work as well really um, inspired me to to 
to really allow my lessons to be that creativeness where, you know, it was okay for it to look messy. You know, there is still learning happening. Um, it's where we pick it and use that formative assessment stuff from, from Dylan Williams and, and, and moving from there. So, so yeah, it's been great. Well, that was a bit, a bit schoolboy, wasn't it, for a podcast host, not, <laughs> not <laughs> still muted. And it has been great. It's been great having this chat with you and it, it's always nice to catch up. And um, uh, if people do want to reach out to you, we put this in the notes, but where can they get in touch with you, Ben? Uh, so uh, on Twitter, um, Mr. A uh, underscore PE teacher. Um, uh, mainly only on Twitter. Um, so yeah, hook, hook me up. You know, if, if you want to have a chat, if you want to discuss things, you know, I'm open to it. If you don't agree with some of the things that I've said, I'm happy to have that that conversation with you and uh, and yeah, really, really move forward. Thank you. And uh, as I say, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for giving up an hour of your after of your time after a long week on the on the Friday. It's really appreciated. And yeah, thanks for your insights. It's it's great um, chatting and hearing where you're coming from and that range of perspectives and experiences is just awesome and i'm sure your students will absolutely benefit from that so on behalf of them a very big thank you thank you greg